This is Marty Ballin. You're listening to WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM Community Radio Peace Radio. Hi, I'm Kenny Coogan. Join Annie Ellis and myself as we co-host the Sustainable Living Show here on your community-supported radio station, WMNF Tampa. On Sustainable Living, we bring you conversations with local experts on sustainable topics. Please come share with us every Monday morning at 11 in our talks about alternative energy sources, organic gardening, farming, and everything in between. Sustainability is a balance of people, profit, and planet. Together, we will make a difference. The opinions presented on The Healthy Steps Show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello, my Healthy Steps radio show coterie, and welcome to another engaging discussion with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Today, Dr. Harvey's topic of discussion is Mother Nature's Cannabis and Medicine, where to get, how to get, and various conditions to participate. You're invited to join this discussion, or if you have any medical marijuana-related questions, by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Today you want to talk to us about Mother Nature's Cannabis and Medicine, the where to gets, the how to gets, and various conditions to participate. Now, I don't want to disparage the good, hard work that Normal, Jim Morgan, and Joe Redner have done to legalize marijuana, but, and I'm sure that I'm oversimplifying the case here, but that although 75% of Floridians support the ease of access to marijuana, the Florida legislature rewrote the medical marijuana distribution bill to create a pot cartel, principally designed to aid the political cronies of Matt Gates and Hazley Bashir. And here I'm pointing the finger at the vertical integration rule, which requires cannabis companies in Florida to handle every major asset of the distribution from cultivation to sales, or as they say, from seed to weed. And I'm pointing a finger specifically at True Leave. I know that this is a penny issue on a dollar topic, and I don't want to spend a lot on it. And I look forward to you telling me more about the history, the where-tos, and the hows regarding medical marijuana. And I know from our caller participation in the last two weeks, many in our audience could benefit from medical marijuana. So, Dr. Harvey, what should we know? Happy Monday, Bill, and thanks for that intro. You've brought up some really good points there, my friend. My pleasure. So, yes, we'll talk about that as we talk about dispensaries in a bit, but let's talk about how we get to this point. We've had a lot of discussion and people want to be able to access it here in the state. Legally, that is. Not that they can't otherwise, since it is everywhere, and we should be able to access it recreationally too. Hopefully that will be next. In the meantime, though, the um, restrictive and uh, bizarre members of the Florida legislature that happen to be of a uh, single party, they seem to dominate this legislature because they've gerrymandered the state quite nicely and they've uh, been able to um, uh, control, uh, even though Florida's a rather purple state, maybe a little bit more leaning Republican, Republicans have dominated the legislature for 30 years. And um, so for some reason, I don't know what it is, but they have a very bizarre view of what 
cannabis is. Maybe they watched too many uh, times uh, the Reefer Madness uh, uh, propaganda movie or something like that. But for some reason, they think that alcohol is okay, but they don't think that cannabis is. And they've made it very restrictive. It's a very sick and difficult system to work with. And yes, indeed, it does uh, uh, basically involve crony capitalism. So the rules that we have to deal with that were created uh, by the legislature are uh, that we have to have certain qualifications. So a, a, a patient must be a permanent or seasonal Florida resident. There are some things you can do as a seasonal resident. I'll talk a bit later. Uh, but really, the bottom line is um, you have to have uh, evidence that you live here to get a Florida card. You have to be diagnosed with a qualifying medical condition by a qualifying physician. <laughs> and you must be entered then into the medical marijuana use registry. I don't like this term because marijuana is a derogatory created in the 30s to make cannabis sound like it came from south of the border when it's actually grown everywhere. Um, so it should be the medical cannabis use registry, but it's the MMUR. Um, and we must obtain a MMUR identification card to be able to enter a dispensary. So the qualifying conditions, I think, are really important. Uh, they have restricted it to a very few conditions. However, unfortunately, cancer is very prevalent in our society. And cancer is the principal diagnosis that we have actually some evidence about. To understand these qualifying conditions, it's, it's a bit of a problem um, in that the, since I, I mentioned on the last show, since the 70s, the FDA has restricted um, any kind of valid research into the potential clinical uses and safety and efficacy of THC, CBD, and all the other cannabinoids. Um, and so it's been difficult to get positive clinical data. However, other nations that have more forward-thinking governments, uh, to some extent, or had in the past, um, uh, like Israel. Israel has actually been able to do a lot of cannabis research. They realize there's a lot of money in it, and they realize that there's a lot of health benefit in it. So combine the two and you can actually have a big, valuable industry. But for some reason, um, possibly pharma, um, uh, we've not been able to access it here. Um, so cancer, cancer is the principal diagnosis. Lots of people get it, but any kind of cancer, if you've had a diagnosis of cancer, you are qualified to get cannabis. Epilepsy, there's a lot of data on epilepsy and uh, cannabidiol, CBD. And um, so epilepsy is a qualifying condition. Glaucoma is another. There's scant evidence with glaucoma, but there is some positive effect. And so that's been um, a qualifying condition. HIV or AIDS, both of those immunodepressed syn uh, syndromes uh, are qualified for getting cannabis. Another is post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is an anxiety type disorder. And frankly, I believe that anybody who has lived through the Trump era and the COVID era has PTSD. <laughs> and almost every human qualifies under this diagnosis today. Um, ALS is a neurodegenerative disease, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, very specific condition. Um, Crohn's disease, that's inflammation of the colon. It's a colitis or an intestinal um, autoimmune disease. Parkinson's disease, 
and multiple sclerosis is another. So we have three neurodegenerative conditions, um, one autoimmune condition. Um, we have infection or immune deficiency with AIDS and a couple of other conditions. They also include medical conditions of the same kind or class as or comparable to the others listed. Well, so under neurodegenerative illness, ALS, MS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's has evidence, but it's not on the list. Alzheimer's has evidence that CBD will actually delay uh, progress or pro uh, progression of the disease. Crohn's disease, it's like any other autoimmune disease. Um, so ulcerative colitis is really close to it, but rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and um, scleroderma are all autoimmune diseases that fall under this category of something that we would like to um, modulate the immune system with. And yet the government, um, even though the, the people that set up these laws are not physicians, they have physicians advising them. But to, in, or, in order to say that somebody's medical condition is the same kind or class as, the government requires that we submit documentation, articles that prove that ALS is like Crohn's disease or that uh, um, lupus is like Crohn's disease because it's an autoimmune disease or that dementia and neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. It's crazy that we need to justify this. But this is another layer of the difficulty that our legislature has put between its own citizens, over 60% of which want this, but the legislature doesn't want it. And finally, a terminal condition diagnosed by a physician other than the qualified physician issuing the certification. So you have to have somebody say that you're terminal before the doctor that's prescribing it can prescribe it for a terminal condition. Um, I think that's a bit ridiculous as well because any doctor can determine if a patient is terminal just by doing a physical and, and history and examination. And then finally, we have chronic non-malignant pain. Now, previously, chronic non-malignant pain was a diagnosis, but the legislature decided to make it impossible for people to get the um, uh, medication for pain unless they have one of the other qualifying conditions. So having chronic non-malignant pain on the list is actually stupid because it doesn't matter. You can't get cannabis for chronic pain, even though it's highly effective and helps people get off opiates. I mean, opiate use should be a qualifying condition because we can get people off opiates with cannabis. But our legislature and its illustrious ill wisdom has blocked us from getting this very helpful tool with pain, unless you have one of these other diagnoses. It's very frustrating. So you need to um, come to the doctor's office. You need to fill out some paperwork. There's some extensive paperwork that describes how the FDA is not involved because it's not a drug and, and warns you about all the possible uh, non-existent adverse consequences that they describe, but there are some potential adverse consequences. And um, then uh, once you've done that and had an exam and um, uh, then the doctor goes online and enters you in the medical marijuana use registry. Once that happens, you'll be contacted by the registry and you'll get an email within seconds of the doctor putting it into the system. And then you respond to that email and it's the easiest way to do it. Paper application takes much longer, but if you do it online, um, and you have a state ID, 
Um, so either a driver's license or the state ID, uh, or a, a, um, if you're going to do it by paper, you can use a passport photo, but really you need a photo. But the thing is, the systems connect. They have actually connected the driver's license system with the marijuana use system. So you can actually use the photo from your driver's license. But you also have to actually provide that proof through the online driver's license or state ID, or you have to submit a copy of one. Um, seasonal residents who don't have a driver's license from Florida need two of the following. They need a deed from their property. They need a mortgage from their property. They need a lease from their property, or they need a statement from a person who they are living with saying that they live there. They need a utility bill from that place. They need a personal fin uh, financial statement from the bank that says you, you're getting mail at this place or, or government mail. You need to sign it and you need to pay it. And I believe currently it's $75 to get your card. You renew your card once a year. If you forget to and you don't pay it, you're not going to be able to access it. <laughs> so you need to remember every year to do that. The thing is, they've actually made it very complex for the patient as well because you're required to come every 210 days to the doctor's office to get recertified, but you only come once a year to the state to get a new card. They want people to be confused. It's, it's purposeful. Finally, or not finally, but ongoing, we have the medical marijuana treatment centers. As Bill mentioned before, this is vertical integration. And we'll get into that in just a second. But right now, we are on WMNF Tampa 88.5. And I would like to hear some phone calls. Yeah, let me What's give the number, a, Bill? Okie dokie. Um, well, people start chiming on in and give a call at 813-239-9663. Clark's waiting for you. She's always good about that. She has the patience. And send an email to dj at wmnf.org, and you can text us as well at 813-433-0885. And I'm going to give that phone number one more time just to help you make the call. It's 813-239-9663. I see a light dingling here. People are calling. Back to you, Very Dr. Good. Fred. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so the medical marijuana treatment centers, they are uh, um, a, a uh, like going to a drugstore. Um, and there are numerous ones now. Um, I can read the list just so you have an idea. Cannabis, Curaleaf, Fluent, Green Dragon, Grow Healthy, GTI Rise, HT Medical Cannabis, INSA, Jungle Boys, Liberty Health Sciences, MedMen, Move, Revolution Florida, Sanctuary Cannabis, Sunnyside, Sertera Wellness, The Flowery, Truly and Vitacan. Bill had mentioned Truly. It's the it's the behemoth. Um, it was well connected in the state. Um, all of these grows um, started with a um, uh, a nursery in Florida. Had to have an established nursery of I think twenty years. So there was your crony capitalism working into it, and. Uh, Trulieve's well-connected with the Florida legislature, and uh, they're out there on the panhandle, and they um, support a guy named Andy Bashir. They do 80% of the flour in Florida. It's a multi-gazillion dollar business, and um, they do have the most product. They have the most uh, available and the most varieties to help people. Um, the uh, There are other specialty uh, uh, um 
treatment centers or specialty uh, uh, places that, that really do some very interesting stuff. Move, for instance, has worked with pharmaceutical uh, sciences and has developed some interesting topical and uh, patch forms um, that do help with some local pain in those areas. Um, many are um, um, creating... Um, um, well, some are trying to do more organic grow, um, and, and and yet we can't be fully organic because it's all indoor and they have to use fertilizer. But they're not using pesticides because they're indoor. So there's a lot of stuff going on with the the uh, the way it's grown, which does help. And for two years at the beginning of this, there was no actual serious quality control. Um, there wasn't actually in. Uh, uh, third-party testing other than for the percent of THC, which they wanted to um, uh, monitor. Um, but uh, now, uh, due to some um, other industry uh, involvement and some really smart scientists, they now have to actually test for um, mycotoxins, which are the toxins that come from mold, because there is a problem in humid Florida with getting moldy cannabis. So um, I think we've got a caller. Let's start talking. Indeed we do, and I want to welcome back Gary to uh, the, the show today. He's always got stuff of interest to share with us. He does. Hello, Gary. Well, good morning, you guys. I, um, the first question I had was, um, you said there has to be a, there's a registry for marijuana users in Florida. Do we have the same res- uh, registry for guns? And my Actually, question, we don't, and we should. I agree. And uh, secondly, um, I'm in I'm in no pain, but I have um, peripheral neuropathy in my legs. And uh, will will that be a qualifier? Actually, um, neuropathy is not a qualifier unless your certifying doctor can relate it to ALS or one of those others. And actually, you know, there is an argument that it could be. They'll just have to submit documentation that nerve damage is nerve damage Um, because, you know, peripheral neuropathy and central neuropathy, which is what ALS is, there's really very little difference. So you could qualify, but your doctor will have to be creative. Okay. And, um, and also, um, when uh, I had a um, brain injury when I was seventeen, and um, it's yeah, I walk with the walker now, and I, I want yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm talking to my doctor. Maybe it's uh, I could look into the matter, you know. So yes, yes, I would. I would that. go to a a certifying doctor and see what they can do for you. All right, thank you again. You're welcome, Gary. All righty, and I've got uh, Char on line number two. Good morning, Char. Good morning. Hi, I'm actually um, a patient and also a curator of cannabis. So I work in one of those dispensaries. Yes. Um, And so primarily we're all self-taught and we have to kind of um, navigate patients as far as which strains to help them with their ailments they come in but there's really no training provided no. by the department of health or anything even as far as um the the silly procedures that we have to follow 
Uh, right. Yeah, they've, know, they've done a good job of that, um, <laughs> even for the doctors. Um, you know, they force us to get certified in their system. All we, you know, if I, I took the course because I'm a certifying doctor and mm -hmm. all they do is train you how to fill the blanks in on their stupid system. It's nothing about education. They don't really care. They don't want people to have it. So they're going to exactly. teach people how to use it. Exactly. So a lot of that stuff, people, you know, it'll, it's so funny to me because they'll come in and they'll say, well, I, I trust whatever you say. And I go, but <laughs> I just saw a doctor, you know, <laughs> I'm really just a cashier if you think about it, you know, Yes. or a bartender. Like I can't really, you know, I, I, I haven't studied all of this. I mean, I try my best, but it's, it's very complicated when, you know, it, biology it really and chemistry and, yes. you know, all of these things. So essentially my question is, um, a lot of, like I said, I just try to listen anecdotally to what patients say, oh, this gives me relief, this, this doesn't. And um, one thing it seems like everybody is chasing is these THC numbers. And I'm wondering if that, how much that really does affect it, or is it more of a marketing ploy? Because the higher Fantastic the THC, the, the higher, they, the more they charge for it. Um, yes. And then, yes. Okay. And then so the reason. It, all of those are very high THCs. And, they are, and they're very know. expensive too. <laughs> but um, the, the reason that it, it does go up in price with the percentage of THC is because you will need less product to get the clinical result. Now, there is the recreational use aspect of this and people want to get that buzz. And so they're seeking out the highest THC content simply because they think that's what it's all about. However, mm -hmm. the entourage effect with all the other cannabinoids and the terpenes is what actually provides the full experience. And so you could actually not need nearly as much of the THC percentage if you were to use it in entourage and with other things that help, if you use it as a, an adjunct to all the other things you're doing. But so yes, uh, higher THC concentrations are um, more effective because they're just higher dose, but do we really need to chase the 38%? 12% mm -hmm. might be enough. And in fact, what's really interesting is people do chase the percent and people will buy more um, of the higher percent. Uh, uh, Andy Bashir, um, the, the representative or the senator, Florida State Senator from the Panhandle, wanted to restrict the percentage. Mm -hmm. Restrict it down to like 15%, I believe. That would simply mean that people would buy more product. I think he just wanted more cash. That was the whole it's purpose kind of, like, of that ploy. The edibles are yes. all capped out at 10 milligrams each. Yes, which actually it can be a, a smart thing because if people are uh, naive to it, I, I talked mm -hmm. about it last week or the week before, the, the gentleman that walked into a recreational store in Toronto and he was 70 something and he ate a 90 milligram uh, lollipop and nearly died. So we really do need better education and, and better control. I mean, I, I um, saw in a Colorado shop, 175 milligram Oreo cookie. Can you tell me anybody who eats one eighth of an Oreo cookie? <laughs> this is right. dangerous stuff when it gets into these doses. Yeah, very much so. Especially you're not going to die, but you're going to sleep for four days, probably. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I, again, because I'm self-taught, I was going to say, well, I say, it's kind of like working out. You're either going to puke or, you know, pass out before you actually die. So, Generally. I hope that's good enough advice. <laughs> Seriously. Well, thank you, Shar. Thank Thanks for your you call. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you for having this whole topic. It's been wonderful. You're very welcome.
Um, I want to run down a couple of things before I take the next call, and that is the products that are available. Um, so we know that there's flour out there. It's been around for um, since the plant grew, uh, evolved. Um, the um, um, extracts, there are uh, different ways of removing the THC and cannabinoids and terpenes from the flour. Um, ethanol is an extract. You basically boil it off. Butane is another way to do it. Carbon dioxide is another one. And then there's another methodology called Rick Simpson oil where they cook it down and make the basically the highest concentration you can get uh, in, in a homemade concentrate. And basically it's just a really thick um, uh, oil. And then uh, something that I like a lot rather than extractive, it's called rosin. And what happens is it's pressed out of, of the plant. Fresh plant is put under pressure and a slight amount of heat and um, the rosin comes out. So basically the all the THC and resin and um, cannab- all the other cannabinoids and terpenes are in this rosin. So that, that just gets packaged um, to be used in vapor devices. And then I wanted to mention the routes of administration. Inhalation is one of them. My, my preference for flour is not combustion, not smoking, though it's possible and it works well and it's the hippie way to do it. But dry flour vape devices actually help you get the cannabinoids and the terpenes out of the flour without burning it. So you actually get more of the actual product you want and none of the ionized particulate that comes from smoking. It just reduces the burden on your lungs. So I, when I certify someone, um, the state has now required that if we decide to order flour, that we must put in um, uh, a statement that says that flour is better for this patient and here's the evidence and we're supposed to submit articles. But I don't believe that and I'll never submit an article. What I do say is that I don't recommend smoking. I recommend using dry flour vape because it doesn't do the particulate. Vape carts are another way to do it, but vape carts are always lower THC percentage because they are um, diluted slightly with hemp oil so it'll flow in the system. Concentrates like the rosin are the the cleanest, highest percent THC and terpenes you can get. And you use devices to smoke or to vape that to get the drug inside. Oral, there's caps and concentrates. The capsules are 10 to 25 and even 50 milligrams. Concentrates um, in in syringes, um, you use um, a rice granule or something that size as a dose because it's super potent. Sublingual, there are tinctures that are very dilute in lots of hemp or coconut oil that you use under your tongue. Um, Topical, um, creams and patches are available. And then edibles, Um, there are baked goodies, there are chocolates and there are gummies that I've seen so far. And as was just mentioned by Char, they're capped out at 10 milligrams. Um, And so there's lots of varieties, lots of ways to get things in. But we do have people on the line, so let's talk to Charles, I believe. Yes, Charles has been quite patient waiting for us, and I've got Chris in the wings, so let's go to Charles. Good morning, Charles. How you doing? Great. How are you today? I'm good. I just caught your show by accident. Uh, oh. <laughs> and I'm not good on the phone, so bear with me. Uh, I talked a little bit about you know availability, how hard it is, how, how they made it so difficult. Yes. They might do people a favor. It's easier to get it on the street, but you'd be a fool to buy the stuff that's out there these days. If that makes sense, it's all yeah. That's that's the case. Yeah, you don't know what it's been polluted with. Yeah, they make it so. I mean, I've actually looked into it. That's like, geez, this is ridiculous. 
I could just go find it on the street, but I don't want to because I don't trust what's out there. Um, right. No, you, you can't. You can't because it could be moldy. It could be anything. And I know that they're they're polluting these things with other powders and such. Like I've heard fentanyl even showed up on some cannabis. Oh, that's my biggest fear. I, I won't buy it on the street right now. Right. But it's just so ridiculous to try to get it. They run you through hoops and it's like, geez. And it's not cheap. So, um, any other statements, Charles? No, that was about it. I just wanted to bring that. Yes. It would be safer if they made it more available. It would be safer if it was more available, and it's safer to buy it from a dispensary because you know that it's been tested. Exactly. So, thanks for your input, Charles. All right. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. All righty, and I've got Chris from Clearwater on the line. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Doctor. Uh, yeah, we need to have the right to grow cannabis uh, and hemp, of course. That is legal, fortunately, just, just to, for the sake of getting the uh, oil, but, you know, because it will start uh, becoming rancid and oxidized, any oil will right after you press it. Yes. And, um, you know, now that at the federal level, hemp is legal in the U.S. Uh, under the Agricultural Improvement Act of 2018, the Farm Bill, and and in 2019, here in Florida, the Florida State Hemp Program, um, you know, there's no probable cause for law enforcement to believe that someone does not have a license if they're caught with it. There's no field test. The dogs will alert for hemp just like they will for cannabis. So they would have to have probable cause in order to see the suspected evidence in order to test it. And, you know, the constitutional amendment would be needed to change the constitution, just like with prohibition of alcohol. Um, and, you know, we have the right to pursuit of happiness. And I, I think that uh, we should rely on jury nullification, like uh, happened in 2018 uh, in Georgia. Giovanni McCoy um, was acquitted after he confessed that he was growing cannabis. The uh, jury deliberated, deliberated for 18 minutes. And uh, he told the jurors that uh, 15 years before, he had he was mugged and beaten into a coma and suffered from migraines and depression. So uh, Yeah, so I agree with you, Chris. Um, we definitely need to have legal cannabis grow at home. Um, there's no reason we shouldn't, but crony capitalism has determined that we must go to somebody that pays the state legislature um, so that they can have a right to grow and charge us a lot of money for it. That's that's really what's happening here. We know that this is the way crony capitalism in this state and in our nation works. This is what this is the definition of fascism because we live in a fascist economy and we live in a fascist state. And we live in a fascist nation because that's what this is, collusion of government and business to screw the citizen. So thanks, Chris, for your input. We'll move on. I've got Rose from Plant City and Sally from Lakeland waiting. Let's go to Rose. Good morning, Rose. Hi, Dr. Harvey. I'd like to talk to you about cannabis. Yes. Uh, I have been smoking marijuana for about 50 years plus, and I'm medically for four years. I'd like to know if uh, you said oil was the best way to use marijuana. No, no. What I said was my preference for um, um, uh, the product and the route of administration is actually rosin or concentrate. Rosin is a very clean product. There's no solvents used to extract it. It's pressed from the flower. 
kind of like you press grape juice out of the grape to make wine. This is the clean stuff. And you use a um, vapor device. Um, there are numerous ones out there um, that will help you um, inhale the vapor from that rosin. Also, you can um, um, use that in things, you could make your own edibles with it. Um, there's a specific amount of THC in the rosin. You can look at the percentage and gauge what you're getting there. So rosin is just a very clean way. But honestly, for many people, um, the sublingual and the edibles and the concentrates are good ways to do it because they do they would do a really good job with chronic pain because they work from the inside out. Um, and what were you? What have you been smoking for? Recreational or for a problem? Well, for uh, rheumatoid arthritis and Parkinson's? Yes. Oh, yes. So I think you could actually possibly benefit from some CBD on a regular basis, even a one-to-one. One of the one of the dispensaries, Certera, uh, loves to make ratioed product, um, a percent of THC and CBD, and they have several different ones, but other ones do that as well. Um, but a uh, one-to-one concentrate could give you some um, relief from the Parkinson's and um, the rheumatoid. I have watched people on, um, I've had patients uh, with rheumatoid who we've been able to decrease their inflammatory markers, C-reactive protein, significantly just using CBD. High-dose CBD between 50 and 100 milligrams a day has been effective at impacting autoimmunity. Yeah. And uh, online, I've read that people have been cured of cancer by uh, marijuana. Do you think that's possible? I think anything is possible because we live in a world of possibility, but I don't think it's regular or common. And so um, the issue is that we need more research on how cannabis impacts cancer and we will get it. If you write to your Congress people, your senators, your governors, and the president today to tell them to remove this from any schedule. It is not a drug. It should not be on the narcotics schedule. It's not uh, physically addictive. And we need to tell these people to get it out of the clutches of the Drug Enforcement Administration because those people are absolutely wrongheaded about anything they do about this. That's true. They've been that way for a long time. They have. Rose, thank you for your input. I have another caller. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Rose. Good points you made there. And I've got Sally on the line. She's from Lakeland. Hey there, Sally. Hey, good morning to you folks. I want to thank you very much for producing and broadcasting this program. You're so welcome. This state of Florida that I now live in is so far behind compared to where I came from, which is Maine. Yes. And and the point that Rose and the gentleman doctor was bringing up cannot be I, I'm just astounded. Let's talk about education. Uh, when I first came here in December, I went online and took a marijuana education course put out by, I believe it's the Florida A&M University. Yes. And they cite in there that one in 10 people who try marijuana will become, oh, I'm sorry, three in 10 will become addicted. Um, I've been a drug, drug counselor 
no, you don't get addicted to marijuana. No. No, you can get habituated. You might like the feeling and want to keep using it, but there's no physiologic addiction. That's completely false. That you are completely correct. Yet we have a name like a university teaching the public that yes, you will. Well, the University of Florida teaches people that the use of Roundup is safe if you follow the label directions because they've been paid by Monsanto to say propaganda. This is the uh, all of our county farm extensions are run by University of Florida and not one of the extension officers was allowed to talk negative about Roundup and it should be banned. But they're paid by Roundup to say that it's safe when used as label directions. The problem, the biggest problem that I see in my personal life and probably the marijuana culture life here in the state of Florida is that it's absolutely uh, prohibited to grow your own. And yes. this really should be not just a RYO, roll your own, but a GYO, grow your own movement. You can't even buy soil or supplements. Completely agree with you. We need to have home grow. If you, if, if you were to go to Maine, you would find grow stores and dispensaries uh, as frequent as you see your family dollars in dollar stores here in Florida. It's, yes. There's no comparison. Yet I, would have I, I agree. State, I would have thought a state with a population so extensive. And multiculturalist Florida would be far ahead of the times compared to Maine. Yeah, I would have thought that they actually would have tried to um, promote um, uh, home grow so that they could actually make money because you could license every plant at home and get money for it. But, well, let's, um, let's not, so thank you for your input. Thank you for your time and keep on broadcasting, please. I shall. Thank you there, Sally. And I'm going to go on to Gino in Tampa. How are you doing today, Gino? Yes, hello. Um, I kind of tuned in a little uh, late. Uh, you was naming companies, I think, truly, or do are they dispensaries or truly like a company that um, uh, grows it? Um, the the companies I was mentioning were the medical marijuana treatment centers where you can actually interface with the people that will deliver you the cannabis. Um, the grows are actually controlled by these same people, but they're licensed grows that come underneath their control. So, um, for instance, Sunnyside just purchased something called um, uh, um, One Plant, which was also One Plant is the treatment center face of Three Boys nurseries. Three boys sold their nurseries and their name to Sunnyside from Illinois so Sunnyside could move here and take over a vertically um, already integrated system. Okay. The reason I ask is because I'm not sure, but I heard that there is a, um, how can I say, as far as black farmers are concerned, that they have yes. no black farmers growing it in the state of Florida and that they have a not, not, not an auction, basically where they have to choose straws for, for them to have one in Florida. I, I would assume <laughs> that you are correct, but I have no evidence to back that one up. But it does sound like the state of Florida's usual um, operating procedures. Right. I mean, I think that is just outrageous that 
all the black farmers that they could have that they have in Florida that they have none, and that they have to choose uh, grass that straws, and whoever win it is the winner of the person. And, uh, and they're not actually they're not actually giving any new licenses. And um, this argument's been going on nationally because the people that worked for Normal, the National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws, and everybody in California that worked for this. Um, they were a lot of small farmers and they've in many cases been blocked out. Big industries have come in, taken it over. And the people that fought for this right have no access to the cash flow that's coming from it. It's really hideous and it needs to be corrected. But like all reparations, um, there's pushback because nobody wants to give up the cash they're taking in. So it's going to be a long road here till we get equity. And equity is the answer. Equity is the rule. Equity is the word that we need to look to for having our society work more functionally. Okay. Well, thank you. But it is one of the, one thing that actually blacks are arrested for, too. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like this is all part of the, the inequity game. And it's sad, and we need to change it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right, Dr. Harvey, it's quiet here. I'll give you a chance to look at the emails for a second. But, yeah, the boards are darker than a scary midnight, so I'm going to give the phone number on out. It's 813-239-9663 if you want to participate in this great discussion. And you can continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org and text us at 813-433-0885. What have you got for us, Dr.? Well, we have a comedian named Bubba, and he said in, John Morgan needs to start a new company. Smoking and smoking for the reefer. I like that one. Last Always week, love we have Bubba. Some, Bubba's a good guy. We got some cleanup from last week. Jeff sent one. It sounds like you're saying cannabis provides what alcohol provides, but healthier. I've always thought that something that generates profit in the capitalist nation is good. What stands in the way of cannabis taking off? Well, I think I've answered some of that. We have a bunch of control freaks that want to have all the money going their way. So yeah, I think it's going to take off. In fact, Sunnyside purchased uh, one plant because they see Florida going recreational really soon and their stores are set up for recreational. They're looking like a, 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 a boutique shop to come in and buy your cannabis. Um, Here's one from Christina. My mother has been recently diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis. She's in constant pain. Can the THC help her manage the pain? Absolutely, but CBD is also important here. Psoriatic arthritis is like rheumatoid arthritis. It's an autoimmune disease. So we want to use CBD to calm down the immune system. And we want to use some uh, probably oral, um, edible, tincture, whatever way you want to do it, capsule of some THC to help to improve uh, the pain tolerance. And another one, this one's from Jim. I have not heard anything about how marijuana will lower blood pressure. Medical drugs do not lower his blood pressure, he says. He can have a blood pressure of 168 over 108 with the medications. When he takes a couple of puffs of marijuana, it will lower to 110 over 70 and stay that way for four to six hours. That's great news. And in fact, we do know that marijuana or cannabis does affect the autonomic nervous system and it will in some cases lower the blood pressure. I think Jim is a unique case because I've not seen anybody recommend it for hypertension, but maybe Jim, your hypertension is related to stress um, or a dysfunction of your autonomic nervous system. So getting that evaluated would be a good idea because I have no problem with you taking a couple of puffs of marijuana to actually chill out that blood pressure because that's much safer than um, not to controlling it at all. 
giving out that phone number last time had a great effect. I've got a longer line of callers than a CVS cash register receipt. And we got about <laughs> 10 more minutes. So I'm going to start here with um, Nick from St. Pete. Hey there, Nick. Good day, Nick. Hey, Dr. Harvey. It's a great show. And I'm finally a medical marijuana patient after using... Oh, you're breaking up, Nick. Oh, sorry. Let me take you off speaker. But I wanted to call in and share a story. Is that better? Yeah, you yes, sound great. You know. right. Yeah, I've been making Rick Simpson oil for about eight years. And okay. Helping people cure cancer or... I guess I can't say cure, but I've also cured my own colon cancer. I was diagnosed about five years ago and had a golf ball sized lump in my colon and they couldn't tell me if it was cancer or not without operating. So I literally took my last $600 and made Rick Simpson oil for myself and literally started off with a rice size amount under my tongue for three days, then doubled my dose to about a pea size amount for three days. And then I actually started doing it rectally for the colon because stomach cancers, anything below the belt, it works way better doing it rectally. Yes. I was doing both orally and rectally for about three to six weeks. And so I ran out of the oil and I have never felt better in my life. I never even went back to a doctor. And excellent. This was five years ago. And it's just Rick Simpson oil is super easy to make yourself at home. It's expensive at the dispensaries, but it's yes, very. it is super cheap and easy to make it at home yourself. And same with the rosin you talked about also. You can yes. really take a hair straightener that most girls yes. have and put wax paper over it and crush the pot in between. And you have beautiful, fresh rosin you can make at home yourself for cheap. And so That's exactly the way you do it. Um, I love your story about the cancer, and I'd love to get more information. I hope that that we can actually release this. If we can have enough people writing to our representatives to get this off the DEA schedule, we can study this. We need to study it and find out because I know there's effect out there. I've watched it happen. I just I've not seen anybody who's used RSO actually have a, a result like you because everybody I know was in terminal, you know, stage four disease that started to try it. So I want to see more people trying it at stage one. I, we need to do this. It's wonderful. Well, also real quick too, my aunt had four different types of cancer. She was addicted to diet sodas, junk food, all this stuff. And she went to Moffitt for almost eight years. They couldn't get all the cancer gone. She even had operations and they couldn't get all the cancer gone. And I told her to stop her chemo for six months and let's try Rick Simpson oil. And her doctor was okay with it. And I said, this is a life and death choice for you to stop your chemo. But Rick Simpson oil does not work well with chemo. You have to stop the chemo. Right, right. And, and, and most bodies don't work well with end stage terminal chemo either. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and she did well. She had a golf ball sized lump in her lung. She had a pancreatic cancer. She had a lesion on her liver. And one other type I slipped in my mind, but after about three weeks on the Rick Simpson oil, she went back for another scan and her doctor was like, what are you doing holistically? Because you, everything is, all your tumors have shrank. The lesion was completely gone. The golf ball size lump in her lung was about the size of a, maybe a ping pong ball. And it, but everything was reducing with Fantastic. three weeks of doing it. And, but she ended up on it for two years. She couldn't really afford to stay on it all the time and do it as much as she could have. 
and because she was on a fixed income. And but we gave her four to five years of her life. That's fantastic. You can't yeah. you can't um, get better than that. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much, Nick. I'm gonna um, go on to a, um, another email. So some things that came up in email that I think are really interesting. Um, Kenny asks, what do you think about marijuana doctors saying that if you refer three people to them, that your next visit fee will be waived? I would say that that's called illegal. That's a kickback. Doctors are not allowed to do that. Um, you, can't, you can't pay someone for referrals in medicine. That's horrible. And that person should be reported immediately. And you can go to the Florida Board of Medicine to the complaint area and say that this person is actually doing kickbacks. They will get investigated. Good point there. I'm glad Kenny brought it on up. He's one of our yes. hosts on the Sustainable Living Show. Yes, he's coming up next. So that's yeah. great. Thank you, Kenny. And, um, and Jeff has another one here that I think is really interesting. What would you say to people who claim that marijuana is a gateway drug? I would say that they're completely insane. Two things. One, alcohol is the gateway drug, period, end. It is the one. It's legal. It's everywhere. And second, um, the only reason that cannabis could end up being a gateway drug is because they've made it illegal and the people that sell you the cannabis on the street are selling you all the other drugs. So if you put them all together into that category, yeah, of course, there's going to be a possibility. But if you take marijuana out of that nefarious network, it's unlikely you're going to see the gateway occurring. So let's fix our system and let's make alcohol less available <laughs> because it's dangerous and kills people. Good point there. And we're looking at down to about seven more minutes. And I've got Betsy, who we had to sort of neglect last week. She was called on in, and now we want to have her give her piece today. Hey there, Betsy. Sorry about last week. Hello? Betsy, good morning. Hello, Betsy. Are you? Well, it's Betty, but... Um, I, oh, hi, Betty. Let me turn down the question. I have... Questions about CBD. You just said something about um, back pain. Is that what I heard? So, so I couldn't hear a word you said, Betty. How do you know what CBD to get and what amount, what doses to get? Because I know people who have tried CBD. There's so many markets. There's so many on the market. How do you know which one to use? Well, you want to use one that has full spectrum, meaning that the whole plant was used. It's not an isolate of just CBD extracted from the plant. You want to have full um, hemp oil and you want to have um, one that is certified clean. So you want to make sure that you get a third party assay to say that the amount that is in the so, uh, um, um, product is the amount that is on the label. And you want to make sure that there are no toxins or other problems with the components in there. And that's what a third-party assay will do for you. So if you're purchasing from just the random CBD store, um, you get them to give you the assays on their product. Um, I would recommend you don't buy it at a gas station or something like that. But if you go to a reputable place, um, and one, you know, there are certain brands that we know are real, like uh, Charlotte's Web. Um, you can get that online. These people have a patent on that specific brand, and they do high quality CBD work. Dosing, as I mentioned before, for uh, autoimmune disease, you might need to take 100 milligrams a day. Um, but um, if you have low back pain, I found people respond to a topical cream 
really nicely. And so it really depends on how severe the pain is and what's going on. And you have to actually kind of play around with it and do hit and miss with yourself because it's different for everybody. Ah, okay, I gotcha. And as you mentioned Sertera. Do they have CBD um, and THC together? All, all of the dispensaries have both um, that that I know of. And yes, Sertera mixes them together. A couple of the other ones mix them together, and some just have the CBD separate. So you can find it in all kinds of ways at, at different dispensaries, and you can go online to these places and look and see what they're offering to decide whether you're going to go there or not. And you can trust them that because they're a dispensary. Well, they, they, just... they, are, they are forced by the state to do third-party assays. So you know that their product's clean and it's got exactly the amount of THC and CBD in there that it says on the label. That's, that's why the state's involved. That's a good thing. That's the only good aspect of the state being involved here. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I've, I'm gone and I'm going to... Thank you. That was great. I really You're so welcome, Betty. All right, we're down to just uh, three more minutes, and I think our last caller is going to be Deborah from St. Pete. Hey there, Deborah. Hi. Uh, Betty actually asked the same question that I had. And yes. so they listened over the phone, and that was perfect timing. Oh, good. <laughs> but I do want you got to your answer. All, all of the staff there. It's really delightful to listen to the program because of all of the people involved, including um, the guy who, you know, you, you interact with, you banter with. I like Bill. That. Yes, Bill's Bill, a wonderful thank man. You. Thank you. I have my moments. I've always thank <laughs> Bill because he says the cutest things. Indeed. Thank you for your compliments. You. Um, much appreciated. All righty. Bye-bye. All right there, Dr. Harvey. It looks like we're coming to the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to tell us about the Healthy Steps show for next week? Sneak well, preview? next the sneak preview for next week is we're going to have a best of show. Um, currently editing that right now because I will be out of town. Um, actually, I'll be on a plane during the broadcast. So um, I'm going to a very interesting conference on a topic called biohacking. Um, biohacking. That's looking for the best ways to enhance your health, to improve your function, and to extend your longevity. So Two weeks from now, I'm going to give you some tips and talk from that conference about biohacking. But next week, you're going to listen to some of my best of from previous shows. I'm looking forward to that. And I look forward to the little nuggets you're going to bring back from your seminar there. And so until next Monday and the Monday next, I'd like to thank Dr. Harvey and all of our listeners to and suggest take care, stay healthy. And I'd like to thank uh, Clark as well. She's been fantastic today. Thank you there, Clark. Thank you, Clark. And you've been listening to The Healthy Step Show on WMNF Tampa. You've been listening to The Healthy Step Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on up now is your five-minute NPR news brief, and then we'll present Sustainable Living, hosted by the incredible team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Today, their guest is Michelle Northrup. She's going to give you the skinny on the 13th annual EcoFest that's coming on up this Saturday, April 23rd. Until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for your support and listening to Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. 